0: Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to Taking a Ship, a guided cruise through dumbest timeline America. I'm Frank Spring, and with me, as always, is Ellie Jacobs, who may yet get a job on the National Security Council sooner rather than later. Good morning, Ellie. Yeah, those openings are really just big and wide, like you're following a gigantic
1: offensive lineman straight into the White House. Uh, hey, Frank, as always, we'd like to thank our listeners for their comments, both positive and negative, uh, especially the positive comments we've had over the guests that we've had over the last few weeks, and urge everybody to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at ship. And that's ship with a P as in P90 Polly, our new nickname for
0: Paul Ryan. It's a Which, good nickname. And before we get into this, I just want to note, if you were listening very carefully and you noticed that I wished Ellie both a good afternoon and a good morning, you are correct because time has lost all meaning for me here in this dumbest timeline America. Please continue, Ellie. Weeks are days, days are weeks, up is down. Yeah. Afternoon is morning, morning is afternoon. It's all one long fucking Tuesday here in Trump's America. It really, really, really is. <laughs> All right. So,
1: speaking of P ninety, Poly, we thought we would uh, start start today's show off with uh, obviously the big announcement and uh, provide a giant update on Venal Pack, the war on the war on corruption, and uh, the person I believe who who the spotlight shone brightest on the most often is actually Paul Ryan. Um, and now we're in a position where Paul Ryan is, uh, most people know by this point, has uh, said he's no longer. Uh, no longer wants to play. He's taking his ball and going home um, and leaving a raging uh, anti-Semite as the Republican nominee in his district to run against the, the uh, iron stash, um, who I didn't, don't think I supported
0: before, but I think I do now, Yeah. Oh yeah. This has become a, this has become a very interesting race. It was a fun one to watch before, but like, but it was always a bit of a long shot. Right. And it is, and and first of all, it is not beyond the realm of, of comprehension that that district might elect a stone cold neo-Nazi. But, but it's, but this, but Iron Stash is suddenly starting starting to look pretty good. And I like the fact that like, that one of the, first of all, the initial ad for iron stash, I, I mean, he, he's just, he's such an appealing figure. One of the reasons that everyone in democratic politics knows him, but his initial ad, I think gave, you know, he offered, he, he was an offer to switch jobs with Paul Ryan. And it was like, you know, you can, you know, what are, you know, I'll, I'll go and be in Congress and you come here and work the iron for, you know, and, you know, and like smoke a pack of cigarettes a day or whatever. Right. Like it's, right. and then he, uh, he came back around on it after Ryan retired and he's like, you know, I'm happy to put in a word with you. You could come work the iron or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. You know, just doing the victory, like doing, like doing a a, a shitty little victory lap is something I was very much there for. And I I applaud them doing that. That was kind of awesome.
1: Yeah. It's a good gag. And I mean, the fact that Rance Priebus, obvious obvious anagram Rance Priebus has Mm -hmm. chosen not to run. Um, Yeah. I don't really know what to make of that other than the fact that he probably never, he's probably not
0: allowed in DC again. Yeah, how it works. Yeah, I think that's probably true, and I mean, look, who would want like in the absence of in the absence of all the advantage of again, that is a a you know a, a not what you'd call a super swing district, uh, but if you were a Republican and were given the I think opportunity it's a to plus eight or something like that, yeah, but if you wow. if you're a Republican, if you are a what and inside the Beltway Republican, given an opportunity to run against Iron Stash right now, this like that that's not a matchup you want, no. And this is also a reminder that it is a a matter of public record that a, that the Reince Prébus cocktail his Favorite uh, is a large brandy snifter of uh, Bailey's Irish Cream, uh, half filled with Cheerios.
1: Right, and if he was a real man, it would be uh, a White Russian with fruity pebbles. The way my brother
0: does it. It's that's that's a that, that's an American classic, right there. Yeah, you're just ta- yeah. you're just taking the Big Lebowski to its logical conclusion. Truly. Uh, anyway, so Venal Pack,
1: the war on the war on corruption. So Paul Ryan has decided he's going to take his ball and go home. He uh, will not run for re-election, and he but he is continuing to say that he will stay on as speaker through January, which is just creating all kinds of interesting
0: we um, yeah, will see how long that
1: lasts. I'll just say some really interesting cockfighting on on the mm-hmm. GOP in the GOP caucus and um, We'll see how long he actually holds on to it. But uh, Paul Ryan um, Deciding he doesn't want to play anymore. Um, you know, he has obviously said multiple times that it's about his family and I'm sure that part of the decision most determinedly is about his family um, but there's also the reality that he didn't want the job in the first place. And in large part, he has been a
0: drastic, monumental, colossal failure. Uh, that most of that, I think most of that is, is true or has some truth to it. I, I will say if they were likely to win this midterm election, I think his, I, I think the family, well, I think he would have stuck along would be, quite some time. Would, yeah. It's not like, yeah, I think it's more like, yeah, I could get away from all this. And, uh, and, and don't you have a family congressman? Yeah. Oh yeah. It should it'd be good to see them again. Oh yeah. You know, my wife yeah. and little, uh, I want to say Al- <laughs> <laughs> Alfonso. No, no, it'll it'll come to me anyway. Yes, who could forget a little?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I mean, it wasn't a Gingrich that that, again. Wasn't it Gingrich that like
1: laid down the law in in, in ninety four that uh, the congressmen should all they shouldn't move to D C. So they don't like- become swamp swamp creatures. And that led to all these guys sleeping in their offices, which apparently might be illegal. Um. That but it seem yeah. It sounds it sounds like the I kind think of it was I think it was a Gingrich thing, and you know everybody just, bemoans the fact that since none of their families live there, nobody's socializing because your kids no longer go to school together, and you're not you know running into you know fan, you know their families at the Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. So yeah, I would have just likes each, like each other. Everybody like hates each other.
0: Grease the skids for you know he and his having extramarital affairs. But you know, I mean anyway, it's you know pretty much the same. Also yes. Yeah, also yes. Not yes. Yeah. yeah. Certainly not. No. Right. <laughs> So not, not no, <laughs> not, not, no. Anyway, this this is the right this is the kind of verbal acuity everyone tunes in for uh, on, on this America's only political podcast. Yes, it is yeah, so Ryan, so Ryan's thrown in the towel my read on this is I don't know how profound a sentiment this is. Ryan is obviously escaping before he can catch his fair share of the blame for what's about to happen to them. It's true that he hasn't really enjoyed the speakership, especially, I think. Uh, it has been a shitty time to be the leader of that caucus, and he did this to himself. I've never had a moment sympathy for him. Uh, no. He's terrible and has dreamed all of his life about making life harder for poor people. He can get fucked. Yeah. Um, well,
1: but- we'll remind everybody of, of Paul Ryan's oft-quoted um, fantasy of, of standing around a kegger and dreaming about destroying
0: Medicare, Medicaid, both. I think it was welfare. Medicaid. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. He was trying to, I mean, basically like he was, he was trying to make it easier for, uh, for the indigent to die in the street, uh, which, you know, fantastic stuff as always. Uh, but now he has come a little bit closer to that by making life harder for them with this tax bill. He's got one small win. He's got one win under his belt, however you want to qualify that. Uh, they're about to get absolutely fucking crushed. And or at least that I mean we've gone back and forth about this, but that seems to be the prevailing view in Republican circles as well. Is that this is not yeah, going to I, go well? You know what was the number? It's uh, uh, forty-two members
1: have decided they're not running, which amounts to about seventeen and a half percent. So you almost have one in five GOP House majority people choosing to not
0: run again. Yeah, and this this That's weather an astounding number. It, it's a huge number, and and it and it is it is in that respect a self it is a self fulfilling prophecy. Um, because the, the Republican Party has self-owned itself. itself well, that's exactly what this, this has been. If you there's, there's a way of looking at what has happened over the last few years. Is just the Republican Party in a remarkable series of self owns, um, which it may be true. And yet somehow we remain the owned, trolled, and furious. Yeah. Um, we've just, we've just been all the America basically in the last three years. It's just, it's just us just owning ourselves over and over again, unable to figure out how to stop. It's that you know. So, it's, it's the Gift from uh, uh, from uh, Power Rangers where they've got pumpkins stuck on their heads and they're just punching their own heads furiously trying to get yeah, them so off. So it's
1: really not dumbest timeline America. It's more like dumbest circular timeline America.
0: This is this is very much a time as the flat circle type of thing. Yeah, you're just you know?
1: we're stuck in the same same moment, living it over and <laughs> over, over
0: and, and over again. <laughs> That's exactly what this presidency. What's the, what's like? that gra-
1: what's the Groundhog Day line? This the Murray's thing. got a great
0: line. I kid. Uh, fuck it. I can't remember it now, but yeah. Oh God! I'm stuck in the same day over and over again. How will I ever get out? It's an it's, it's an iconic iconic yeah. cinematic moment. Yeah, I'll remember it next time we come around to this exact same moment. Joe <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Oh God, we'll be here again soon. So so Ryan bails out. This he doesn't. He has his eye. This I mean to my mind, it's fairly clear. He has his eye on his on his political career in the future. He wants to re- emerge after 2020. So, regardless of what happens, he reemerges as a as a political contender for the presidency in twenty twenty you know in twenty twenty four presumably after term limited. He, you know, it, do they restart? If he is, do they restart his term every time he's impeached, <laughs> or every time he's recalled? I should say. Um, no, he is. I think that's why he. That's uh, is that not why he is out this year? I I've, I've lost track of Wisconsin. Someone who knows about Wisconsin politics, please uh, come in and correct us. Yeah, uh, um, on this, but, but but the other thing is, yeah, I don't think Ryan, I, I think, would have no interest in being governor of of Wisconsin. No, I, I think it's just a way to pass the time till twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean, now he's going to get on some non executive boards, make a shitload of money. Get some god awful post where he can have someone write some dumb shit and call it his own yeah. um, and inflict himself on us via television. It's just, it's going to be unspeakably awful, just the worst bullshit imaginable. Uh, but he's gone and he is, pre- and this is about him. Now, this, I think the theory here is he's not going to, he doesn't want to catch. Clearly, what's going to happen is that you know, for better or for worse, a bunch of Democrats are going he to does, run against he Trump. Does,
1: he doesn't does want to catch Trump. He doesn't want to catch Trump. And this it's is the like thing, herpes, like but cleaner,
0: but cleaner. It's, yeah. Well, <laughs> or, or dirtier. It's <laughs> much yeah, I was going to say. Much. If you had a choice, honestly between between the continued presidency of Donald Trump and a robust case furpees I'm just saying you can treat the one. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so he he doesn't want to catch Trump. I think one's being, not terminal. Being speaker, that's boy. There's there's some truth in that. Being speaker of the house is an acutely difficult and unpleasant experience. I think probably right you know right now it's not nearly as bad as being in the minority, but it's not that great. Not a great gig. Uh, so he's get and and there is his Ryan's personal numbers are in the toilet. That's not necessarily a great, I mean Mitch McConnell's personal numbers have been in the toilet for years, uh, but the but he is someone the Democrats can can run against. They're going to run against Trump more. But I think Ryan's thought is, if I get out now, this won't be the election where we got crushed by Democrats running against the tr- running against Trump and Ryan. It'll just be Democrats running against Trump. I can get out now, and in 2021, I can reemerge as a credible political figure, and, in and I'll be setting myself up for 2024. That's pretty, pretty clearly what's happening now. The question, of course, is, and I can see why. I mean, Republicans will have a lot of stuff to be mad at and afraid of over the coming months, so they may forget about this. But right now, my understanding is they're pissed at him. Yeah. The idea is like he's jumping. Like there is no good way to abandon ship in a circumstance like this. And on this, and on this of all podcasts, we take abandoning ship extremely seriously. Extraordinarily seriously. You're it's not to say we wouldn't we throw you. <laughs> that's right. It's not <laughs> to say we wouldn't and haven't. But it's but it's a solemn moment, I tell you. Not to be done casually. I don't Maybe we've now named the name
1: of our maybe maybe we have come up with the name of the ship. Salty Paul's. Revenge
0: Salty Balls (laughs) Revenge. That's oh god, that might be the name of our ship, folks. Let us know, tweet us. (laughs) Terrible, terrible (laughs) pornography. Oh god, which this was always gonna kind of this this podcast was always headed in that direction. Yeah, aren't they all? That's god, that's that's so true. That's so true. I was listening to Judge John Hodgman, it got a little blue. Yeah, I mean, anybody
1: who's listening to Pod Save Pod Save America recently, woof. They're right, teetering. It's, it's it's getting it's getting there. It's getting there. Um, yeah, but uh, the Paul Ryan thing, uh, as you were just saying, Frank, it gives us a good opportunity to talk about. We t- we we touched on it um, with each of our last guests, and the week before, I think we talked about it also. Um, we talked about it going back all the way to last year when we spoke with um, our friend Whitney um, about the idea of the Trump takeover. Um, PBS's Frontline did a really good um, show on it this week. Uh, I'd suggest everybody take take a look at it. Um, they use jeff flake as one of the people's kind of the Preeminent person who used to represent the republican party that theoretically paul ryan represented And don't forget mike pence um And and, uh trump's takeover is uh, I would say now with ryan calling it quits is If there was even a little holdout by the wall street journal editorial pages that there was some semblance of The quote unquote conservative movement of small government, et cetera, et cetera um it that those vestiges are gone that that
0: flame is out yes yeah and i think that and 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 we can we can argue about whether there was whether that was ever the idea uh, or whether the whole thing was just an elaborate charade for which a large num which uh, the, the that a, a number of people are very sorry that they have to give up now um yeah. or or if anyone ever actually believed this garbage uh, and I think it's, there's, there's probably people in both camps. Uh, but one way or the other, yeah, I mean, this is like Trump. Trump very clearly runs Bartertown, Town, and he has done it not through strategy, but just by being just so irredeemably impossible and difficult and horrendous and just making life hell for everyone around him uh, that he just runs people off. And, and that has happened now with Paul Ryan. And that's essentially how he's been able to take over the Republican Party. So, you know, aggrieved and interpersonally difficult, uh, and unreasonable that he has like managed to bully his way to the top. It's really quite astounding. So yeah, Trump's takeover is complete. He runs Bartertown in the Republican Party.
1: Yeah, I mean there was a, a fucking Luntz. I mean Dr. Frank Luntz had a line um, during this Frontline episode where he's Dr.
0: Says, fucking Luntz, as
1: he's generally known. Yeah, he said something along the lines um, that the uh, GOP, as it's currently made up of in Congress, had never met Trump and they had never met anybody who had voted for Trump. So they were taken by by storm and by by surprise that that this phoenix rose and I, don't know.
0: His, I think trey gowdy knew some people who voted
1: for trump uh, yeah and uh they probably go to the same barber um <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's no other possible like, there's one like there's one like like the Republican leadership, like like Gowdy and some of the and Trump and you know, presumably some others have like one swivel-eyed lunatic barber who always goes around wearing a leather apron, you know, like like the torture heavy in a mafia film. And right, like, it's basically oh,
1: Sweeney Todd. Like, there's, there's a guy barbers. Sweeney Todd works out of the <laughs> Capitol.
0: Super. <laughs> 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 That's exactly right. Wearing the depth makeup from the remake. Yeah,
1: you know, there's a barber who sings uh, show tunes and kills every third person through the door.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just like if a barber, if, if let me put it this way, if you're approached by a conservative barber offering you a meat pie, take it at your peril. Yeah, I mean, who amongst us hasn't broken our fast and little long pig? You yeah, <laughs> know, we don't we don't judge around here. But uh, anywho, returning returning out of the question of Paul Ryan, and the, right, returning we'll now to, to the question the-
1: of you know, as the Wall Street Journal and and an editorial this morning, bemoaning the loss of Paul Ryan, put it. They said that the quote. Limited government conservatism based on fiscal probity personal responsibility free trade and limited government is now dead is essentially what 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 this what this editorial was was pushing um, So again, frank and I will We can talk we have talked a lot about the idea that these things never may have really existed in reality um, And the tea party for everything that they claimed to be was really just a bunch of racist lunatics um and we have that has been definitively shown at this point um because they voted for everything that they said they wouldn't vote for um and the wall street journal uh, the editorial page again basically dared mark meadows to step up to the plate uh mm-hmm. which i thought was was an interesting that probably had some eyeballs exploding um in whatever cavern underneath the capitol that group of lunatics meets in um but you have to, if it is Donald Trump's party, um, and we know that it is because everybody's terrified of his Twitter, Twitter feed, um, and the 40% of the party that's going to be with him no matter what, um, which is clear, it's about 40%, which also gives us, you know, as, as we have multiple times said on the show, that gives us our, you know, 20% of the population, which is about half of the Trump supporters, uh, which is what Hillary Clinton said, are not wonderful people.
0: Yeah, twenty twenty one percent is Trump's base. And you can tell this number, maybe we've talked about this before, but you can tell that number because when they were doing the number, when they were uh, polling around, surveying around Stormy Daniels, 21% of respondents believed that Trump didn't have an affair with Stormy Daniels. And my view is that 21% is the exact number of Trump's base. Because yeah. if you are honest to God, like if you're just like, no, it didn't happen because he says it didn't happen. You're Trump. You're, you are a Trump base. There's you know, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Uh, so that so we have, and then there are other measures as well, but yeah. yeah. But again, Hillary Clinton was Hillary Clinton shouldn't have
1: said it in a, in the way that she did during a campaign, but she wasn't wrong.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, in, in her assessment that like that, a large chunk of his base, half, 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 yeah. And some pretty great ass views. Like, no, that was, that was not incorrect. That was not. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Um, so given that, that, that that's what we know, um, and given that there is uh, currently a push in the Senate um, on a bipartisan basis that is uh, two bipartisan bills have now merged, and it has collected several other support supporters, um, it's currently potentially getting a vote in the Judiciary Committee, um, apparently Grassley and Feinstein are fighting about something, and um, To protect Robert Mueller Uh, that brings us into um, impeachment, which we talk a lot about on this show especially considering how little possibility you and I both put on it actually taking place Um, But I wanted to explore it from the perspective of Contrary to what the gop is running on this fall, uh, which one of their lines that they're running on aside from nancy pelosi um, Is that uh, a vote against the republican is a vote for impeachment of donald trump essentially um I think that there's large segments of the GOP, again, probably the Wall Street Journal page type people, um, flakes, corkers, Ryans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, who were desperate for impeachment because they see it as the only way they could bring the party back to what they wanted it to be envisioned, the way that they their utopian world under the Mitch, uh, that would be the, uh, during the second, second uh, term of the uh, Mitt Romney, Paul Ryan administration to be followed up by the Paul Ryan administrations to be followed up by, to be followed up by. Um, And I think that more than anybody else, they're the ones disappointed that impeachment is just not going to happen. Or hoping that, or they're hoping that, you know, something, something big breaks and, and, and they, the, the Dems take the house and somehow take the Senate and Jerry Nadler steps up to the plate and, and runs with it.
0: There is, I think, probably a bigger constituency for impeachment within the Republican caucus than we, than we might at one point have thought. Um, for, for if, if people
1: who hadn't seen, uh, uh, we posted it on the Twitter feed, I think, uh, Eric Erickson, um, who writes for The Resurgent and is about as Republican as you can get, um, basically wrote a transcript of a conversation he had with a congressman while walking through a Safeway. Um, and it's pretty astounding um, um, how far this, con- this Republican congressman was going in terms of being negative on Trump.
0: Yeah, and it, it, it dovetails pretty neatly with some of the the stuff that I've heard as well. That like there is, I mean, you know, of course it is it is a fun and easy thing to do to for Republicans to anonymously sound off on Trump. But the general sense is like this is they've gotten their tax bill there. There's only so far that, and they've they've done a fair amount of deregulation. There's a sense that like this this is to the extent that they were ever going to get anything out of this out of this administration, they may have gotten it. Yeah, uh, and it's all downhill from here. And so, you know, to be the ones who could who are seen to wield the knife might have some political benefit from their perspective. So I think there is a bigger, uh, as, a, as a way of getting it. So, yeah, as a way, I think impeachment as a, there's probably a larger shadow, um, uh, shadow uh, uh, constituency for that within the Republican Party on the Hill than we had previously understood. It would require some fresh occasion, though. Like it's right. not it's not going to get there by itself. And indeed, there's been there have been some process stories recently uh, about Republicans using impeachment as a messaging as a talking point. Um, and, you you know, you refer to that about, you know, that they're that their messaging to their messaging in this election is going to be if you vote Democrat, there's going to be an impeachment. Uh, that's all Democrats want to do. They only want to impeach Donald Trump and so forth, which is a what I would call a a fairly risky strategy in the sense that like you should vote for the, you you know, you, you should vote for us because we're the only people defending this historically unpopular president is what you might call a pretty limited base appeal. Um, but. Which is actually (laughs) what they're
1: running on. If the, even if they're not bringing in the impeachment part to it, I mean, you and I joked about this last year, I think maybe on one of our first shows, we joked about, I don't know if we joked or hoped, um, that Ryan and McConnell had draft articles of impeachments just sitting in a desk drawer ready to go as yeah. soon as they lost control of this thing.
0: Yeah. And it's, but it, they, they will require some, it would require some fresh occasion in order to make it work. Um, and, you know, like, like the firing of Mueller or, you know, something like that. Um, yeah. and, and again, and again, I, I am far from saying like, Oh yeah, if he fires Mueller, like he's certain to be impeached, like that's, I, I would not bet on a profile encouraged from any of these people, but, but as it stands, it's just not go, like it, there's there's just not the impetus for it. Like they're going to ride they're 100% going to ride this thing out to the midterm, position themselves as a defender and hoping for the best. Yeah, I mean Paul Ryan continuing to let Devin Nunes
1: chair the select committee is really mind-blowing. Yeah, that tells I, you everything you need to know. Yeah, it's no a select matter. committee. It's actually up to the speaker to decide who sits on that committee and who chairs it. And Nunes was on TV the other night saying he's going to impeach the um director of the FBI and the deputy attorney general.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, you
1: know, because they're not turning over a two-page document, which apparently, according to uh, Adam Schiff, the ranking member, they've all seen Yeah. It's,
0: I mean, this, this whole thing is a, yeah, that, that whole thing is a farce and they may yet, I mean, this is more palace intrigue than I think the subject honestly is getting or deserves, frankly, but they may yet come to regret not having a reasonably robust or healthy investigation because if they, they need for, if they ever feel like they want to jettison the guy, yeah, uh, they need some, they need someone to turn something up. Uh, They need a fresh occasion because just doing it as part of, as part of business, uh, is not is not going to fly now again, this is not something that is going to happen unless Democrats win the win the house and even if they do win the House in the midterm uh, which seems like a, a thing that is very much likely to happen uh, uh, increasingly you know there 's obviously good evidence for that. Uh, I, you know the way Democrats talk about this heading into that election. The the, you know, the surveys are pretty clear on this. The voters are not interested in being promised impeachment. Uh, there's no. a there's a there's a core of the Democratic Party that likes the idea, but even then, what what they do want is holding Trump accountable. It's kind of like in many respects, it's sort of classic language of running as an opposition party. But you're talking about holding the administration accountable. Uh, you know, get you know, conducting you know proper investigations. That language is testing pretty well. Uh, and it's testing pretty well with independents and with Democrats it's testing horribly with Republicans, but Democrats can't say anything that Republicans like right now. Right. With a couple of exceptions, one of which is healthcare. And if the, if the election of Connor Lamb has sort of has taught us anything, and I think there are lessons to be learned from it, even though it was a pretty exceptional thing. It's that he ran an extremely positive campaign about, you know, what, what he wanted to do. And a lot of it was about fixing healthcare. Yep. He I'll also, I'll also
1: point out that one other thing that Democrats and Republicans, um, or at least some Democrats and and, and all Republicans agree on is um, uh, uh, limiting Nancy Pelosi's
0: future as a leader in the Democratic Party. There is there is some political mileage to be gained uh, from one of the things again that came out of the Lamb race is that voters thought that voters saw Connor Lamb as a as a diff- as being different from Democrats. Right. That he and, was, a, and he was a distinct political animal, and part of that was his ability to distance himself from Nancy Pelosi. And I think you're going to see more of that. Yeah, and if
1: I if I were con- consulting for any of these any of these folks running in any district where you know that's there they, there's a challenge, I would advise every single one of them to do exactly what he said. Very simply, I, I won't vote for her to be speaker. It's not I won't support her. It's not I won't listen to her. It's not I won't do anything else. It's I won't vote for her to be
0: speaker. There are a lot of ways to express. Thank you. There are. Uh, there are a number of ways, yeah there are a number of ways to distance yourself from uh, from from uh, leader Pelosi but the the point is uh, that's going to become a a, a a regular talking point for a lot of Democrats It is already I think uh, deliberately distancing themselves and and again, I think you know the the data on this is pretty clear uh, or the right now as you know as it stands, the top priority for people right now is health care by country mile uh, there's even some inroads to be made into Republicans if Democrats state keep talking about that. Uh, particularly about affordability uh, health No one thinks health care is affordable in this country because it isn't uh, And there's there's a lot of there's good mileage to be gained in that there's good mileage to be talking about income inequality good solid debt. Like this the issues that are salient right now are shaping up to be good democratic issues mm-hmm. Staying being focused on those and talking about holding trump accountable, uh, you know holding good clean investigations uh, I mean, there's there's mileage in that but that's not the thing to lead with um, and yeah. and Republicans are weirdly forced to try to make the election about that some of them will um in their attempts to make it about defending his, trump's legacy and drawing out their base it's not a great calculus for them it's yeah, gonna be okay. harder and especially across you know 100 and 102 districts yeah I'd, I'd strongly
1: recommend everybody check out um the
0: uh interview and article
1: that resulted from it that uh jerry nadler did with susan glasser in the new yorker a few months ago um he will be uh he's presumed to be the uh He's like a ranking member on judiciary now. He's presumed to, you know, he he will if if Democrats take the house, he will become he'll become the chair and therefore leading the impeach any any potential impeachment. And he's he spoke about it in the most uh, um, delicate, well thought out way than I think anybody can. Um, you know, really explaining just how catastrophic impeachment is. Um whether like, you know, short of true high crimes and misdemeanor and to be honest with you, I don't know that we're there yet in a provable way. We're there most certainly in in a scuttlebutt way. And, and what we're seeing from the outside, whether it's the emoluments clause, whether it's relationships with Russia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know that we've seen anything that is black and white, high crime and misdemeanor. And if um, the attempted impeachment uh, or the impeachment of, and then the acquittal in the Senate of, of uh, William Jefferson Clinton taught us anything is, if you're really going to run with this thing, you got to have you know, dead to rights that there was some, there was, there was somebody
0: did an, uh, oh, big yeah. time. Yeah. You need, yeah, exactly. You need a smoking gun. Um, and I think and we've talked about this, I think perhaps, but the, the parallel that I often, that I, the way that I'm, and I don't making, think obstruction gets us there. No, I don't think obstruction gets us there either. Um, and the, I mean, and the way that I would, the way that I would look at this is think about the way that corruption cases, like pay to play corruption scandals against governors tend to work. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to get one. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, even if you get it, them, then the Supreme Court turns it over. Yeah, even if you know it's happened, uh, you can get the bagmen. Uh, the bagmen—that's what they're thats what the bagmen are there for. Uh, you can get the intermediaries, and I think that that's very likely to happen as a result of as a result of the Mueller investigation and other things. I mean, I think there are a number of people in Trump's orbit are going all the way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but getting to him is going to be a, a separate challenge. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, there, you know, there, you know, there, you have it, uh, impeachment is, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be weirdly a Republican talking point this cycle, how much they cleave to it is going to be interesting. We don't have to stay far from it, but, and all, but there is a way to talk about holding Trump accountable and being tough on the administration without necessarily saying we're going to reach the foregone conclusion of trying to impeach the guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty easy just to say, we're going to do exactly what the, um, the Republican house did to president Obama. We're going to hold it. We're going to hold Trump
0: as accountable as the Republican house did to president Obama and just be, and treat him with nothing but sneering contempt. Yeah. Yeah. and, that's, that's, and those, that's exactly right. And so, and you know, and so the long day wears on really. Yeah. And, and I mean, you, people, you, that'll
1: just lead to driving Trump so far out of his mind. Yeah. Because he obviously can't take criticism. He obviously can't take the heat I and mean, he clearly can't take the heat. Um, but yet we continue to survive in dumbest timeline America. Yes, on this the never ending Tuesday. The never ending Tuesday of dumbest timeline America. All right, Frank, what else do we want to touch on before uh, we close we close the
0: uh, that we we park the ship in in the whatever we do. I briefly want to uh, to make a and and, and I, I in in spite of myself, I will make this one short, but i want to uh, issue another alt centrism alert from our favorite source uh, once again uh, friends i reluctant it is with a heavy heart that I report that David Brooks is at it again. Uh, he has written a piece uh, again it's, it's a, which is in and of itself is a shame uh, his April 9th piece the failures of anti trumpism i 'm not going to do the whole thing for you it, it basically uh, you know it, it is so it is transparently Brooksian in all of the worst possible ways. But I do want to talk about this bit. Uh, one of the things – so he's talking about why Trump has been successful, why Trump – and and he makes a reasonable point, which is that Republican voters are have have, do, have come back to Trump a little bit since he became – and are certainly very supportive of him now. Uh, since he became president, like that's kind of the thesis of it, is that even within the Republican Party, anti-Trumpism hasn't worked. The Republican Republican voters are for the most part quite pro-Trump. Uh, he's not doing as well amongst them as he should be doing as a sitting president usually would be doing with his own party at this it's period. Still in the eighty percent range, yeah, but it is not a catastrophe by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, the uh, thing that people so, continue to forget because of this hope that everyone will wake up one morning and realize how, realize how awful Donald Trump is, uh, people forget that Republican voters vote Republican.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the 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 dominant reason that people voted for Donald Trump is that they vote Republican in elections. That's the most common reason that this happened. Uh, so anyway, but so he, he offers a couple of other reasons for this, and then and so now Brooks gets to this point that I I want to highlight, just as a as a as a wonderful example of where alt centrism will take you if it's not treated early. So three paragraphs. Part of the problem he writes is that Trump is that anti Trumpism has a tendency to be insufferably condescending. For example, my colleague Thomas B. Edsel beautifully summarized the recent academic analyses of what personality traits supposedly determined Trump support.
1: Frankly you. Had academic analysis hard enough.
0: The academic analyses. Uh, sidebar, you should read Edsel, the piece that Edsel wrote. It's actually quite interesting. Uh, back to it. So the, what personality traits supposedly determined Trump's support. Trump opponents, the academics say, are open-minded and value independence and novelty. Trump supporters, they continue, are closed-minded, change-averse, and desperate for security. Brooks continues, this analysis strikes me as psychologically wrong. Every human being requires both a secure base and an open field. We can't be divided into opposing camps. Journalistically wrong. Trump supporters voted for the man precisely because they wanted transformational change. And an epic attempt to offend 40% of our fellow citizens by reducing them to psychological inferiors. All right, friends. I'm not even going to take apart that last paragraph piece by piece, although I very easily could. Uh, I will I will leave that to your own tender mercies if you choose to extend them. But I will say this: what what Brooks has ended up with here, because of his alt because of the desire in alt centrism for civility and comity above all else, is is what this paragraph says. Is I don't like your academic research. Go away and get me academic research that I think is less likely to offend the straw man I am protecting. This is is what alt-centrism does. In the name of civility, it leads you to assume that psychology itself is not a science and therefore uh, can be constructed however you want for it to be so that you're nicer to Trump supporters and that the data that has been gathered about them through an academic study is somehow not, that can be changed to data that is a little bit friendlier and nicer and cuddlier. Uh, for these people, and they're not somehow the way that they are. Uh, this is, you know, what I would say is just, you know, I mean, closing stage, uh, a case of alt centrism. I don't think there's much to be done for for David Brooks here, uh, but there. But but I, I would enjoin you, friends, not to go down the same path. If you feel like, if you feel that you may be suffering from alt centrism, or you know someone who does, uh, please uh, get help. Uh, we're you know we're here for you. We have resources to recommend. Uh, let's end this scourge forever. We'll be holding an anti an, an anti alt centrism. Uh, a fundraiser of some kind, uh, maybe we could get some kind of, a you know, some, you know, some sort of a, uh, you know, a telethon going or some such because the scourge must be wiped from America before more people succumb. All
1: right. With that, uh, we're going to keep this a little bit short cause we've uh, had a couple long episodes recently and we're looking forward to having uh, a few, uh, terrific guests in the coming weeks and a little bit of a change in format. Um, and probably some new theme music, I think, Frank, once we, once we agree on, once we agreed on what that'll be, mm-hmm. um, in the meantime, please, uh, do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Um, you know, Casper mattress money, Harry's shaved club, that, 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 that anything is, and all of that is really good, but we the only weird get special out. underwear thing. Yeah. I'm not so interested in that. The, mm-hmm. the Harry, the Harry's shave thing. That's pretty intriguing. And and I could, I, I would like a new mattress. So
0: yeah.
1: Yeah like we're not looking for tens of thousands of subscribers where we're making lots of money. We just kind of
0: want free samples for ourselves. Like that's, that's, that's just we're, the point of end. We're small time grifters, people like, come on, yeah. <laughs> do, us a, do us a favor. Yeah. Like well, 20% of anything when you can get 1% of 20 different things. Hey, yeah. Hey, math. it's just math. Just meth. Uh,
1: so please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Uh, get a couple of your friends to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. They don't even have to listen to us. Just have them subscribe and rate us. Um, yeah. Please follow us on Twitter at taking ship. And that's, Ship with a P as in um, percent, because that's the first thing that's popping into my head. Sure. Uh, you can follow Frank at Frank Spring and me at Ellie Jacobs. Um, with that, Frank, do we have a voyage planned for today? We are, in fact,
0: going... Where to, are we headed? We are headed to Yorkshire. And we're headed to Yorkshire for a very specific reason. Uh, and no, it is, uh, it's is—it's not because uh, we want a pint of Tetley's. Uh, we are headed to Yorkshire uh, because a seal was spotted 50 miles inland in Yorkshire today. Goddammit, people, I I couldn't be clearer about this. The beaches are our borders with the sea, and those borders with the sea must be inviolate because the sea, as we know, is in a state of open and declared hostility with us, the land dwellers. And yet the good people of Yorkshire have so far abrogated their duty as to allow a sea-dwelling creature 50 miles inland this is Operation Market Garden, people. I don't know how much clearer you can be. They're paratrooping seals into our, onto our good soil and I for one won't stand for it. So we are going today to Yorkshire first to track down the seal and get him back where he belongs and, and maybe have a quiet word with him about what he knows. And then we're going to have a wee chat with the good people of Yorkshire. They love it when strangers come in and tell them how to do things. We're going to have a wee chat with the people of Yorkshire about the degree of vigilance required to prevent this kind of atrocity from happening again. Friends, we take ship now for Yorkshire. Take care, everybody.